I think sometimes people are happier going out of church than they are coming into church. (laughs) I've been there myself a couple of times, to be honest with you. Let's pray before we look at this passage of Scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every person who comes, not only to this church, but, Lord, throughout the world right now, the people that are gathered and worship. And thank you, Father, that you are there at each service because you are God. And thank you that because you are a God that wants us to know you, you are seeking to reveal yourself to every person that is gathered in worship, whether it be in a building or in the open or in a jungle or wherever it might be. Thank you, Father, that you are here and you are there and you want to speak through your word and through your Son and to your, through your spirit to these that have gathered. God, I pray that as we read your word, that your Holy Spirit would take it and speak to our hearts. And God, I just pray again that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have been in your presence. God, it reminds us that we are unworthy to be in your presence, but thank you, Lord, that through your Son, we are your children, and we want, you want us to know you in a greater way. Help, Father, that nothing will stop us from giving thanks and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen as I read these five verses from 2 Corinthians. If you know anything about this part of the book of 2 Corinthians, you know that Paul is talking about giving, an offering that is being taken up for the poor Christians in Jerusalem in Judea. And I'll mention that again in just a minute. But listen to what Paul says. Now, I want to tell you what God and his grace has done for the churches in Macedonia. And he's speaking to Christians who are living in the city of Corinth. And he is speaking about the example of the Christians and the churches in the area of Macedonia. Listen to verse 2. Though they, they have been going through much trouble and hard times, they have mixed their wonderful joy with their deep poverty, and the result has been an overflow of giving to others. Again, I'm reading this out of the Living Bible. But folks... That verse doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Listen to this. They've been going through trouble and hard times, yet they have given much joy, even in their poverty, and the result has been an overflow of giving to others. Poor people going through hard times with joy and with a desire to give to help others. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And I can testify that they did it because they wanted to and not because of nagging on my part. And I chose the Living Bible. I love how Paul expresses this. Nobody likes a nagging preacher, do they? Amen? Amen. You're on my list, all right? (laughs) Especially you, Cindy. You know what Paul is saying? They did this because Jesus Christ had so moved in their hearts and their lives. And listen to verse 4. They begged us to take the money. I can hear Paul now saying, listen, you guys are, you guys are poor. You guys need this for yourself. And they're begging Paul, you take this so that we can share in the joy of helping the Christians in Jerusalem. And now listen to verse 5. Best of all. 
they went beyond our highest hopes. The King James translates that not as we had hoped. In other words, Paul is saying, look, you guys, we weren't expecting you to do this. The good news says it was more than we could have hoped for. But folks, how did they come about this attitude? How were they able to do this? Well, the next line tells us how. For their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us. And notice this. They dedicated themselves to the Lord. Folks, when we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, guess what happens within us? We begin to focus on the needs of others. And as these Christians in Macedonia got closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, they began to see the needs of others rather than themselves. And even though these folks are enduring hard times and tribulations and they're not very well to do, when they saw the needs of others, they began to help. And it says they dedicated themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give to them through us. This is the fifth and final message of this series of sermons. And my prayer throughout this time has been that you and I are being prepared to be a people of thanksgiving and praise to God, not only on Thanksgiving Day, but these messages from the Word of God will cause us as Christians and as churches to begin living a lifestyle of daily thanking and praising God. And in reality... And I believe I've said this at every message. In reality, it is not our nature, even as Christians, to be people of thanks and praise. You remember we began this series. The first sermon was out of Luke 19 where Jesus heals the lepers and only one of them comes back and praises him and thanks him. Folks, how much and how often have we thanked and praised God even this week? Of the five sermons, this has been the hardest one for me to prepare because of the message of verse 5. Let me again get you to look at verse 5, okay? For their action, their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us. In the Revised Standard Version, it says, But first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And in the King James, if you have that translation but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Folks, if you and I are going to be people of praise and thanksgiving to God, we must first give ourselves to the Lord. And folks, you remember we had looked at during these five messages, counting today, we'd we'd looked at a list of reasons we stopped giving thanks. And let me for the last time look at this one more time, okay? Remember the second week, we looked at two things that stop us from giving praise and thanksgiving to God. And we found it in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We forget God and all his blessings, and we give ourselves credit for our blessings. And then two weeks ago, we looked at circumstances. So often, what has happened either at one point in time in our life or over a long time, a span of time in our life, the circumstances cause us to stop giving praise and thanks to God. And you remember the verse of the month has been 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, that we give thanks in all circumstances to God. Last week out of Philippians 4, we talked about the daily anxiety and worry, the daily uh, life 
So many things pull us away from the Lord. So many things stop us from praising and thanking God. But there's a final thing that I want us to look at this morning, a partial surrender to Christ. And folks, I'm going to be honest, this has been the hardest message for me. And I kept saying, Lord, are you sure this is a message that you want me to you want me to share with the church family? And, and in essence, not in these exact words, but God said, uh, shut up and let me drive, okay? I'll take care of this. But folks, I want to ask you, have we given all we are to the Lord? That's a hard question, isn't it? And somebody might follow up that question by saying, well, why should we? Why should we? Why should we give all we are to the Lord? Well, if you still got your Bible open, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to this verse. Again, I'll read it out of the Living Bible. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus was. Though he was so very rich, yet to help you he became so very poor that by being poor he could make you rich. Folks, that is one of the most powerful verses I believe that Paul writes. And in that verse, he tries to help you and I understand the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made for us. He left his throne in heaven. He left all the angelic and heavenly host praise. And he came to this earth to be rejected and dishonored and humiliated and to die on a cross. Someone in the last two weeks placed a book on my desk. They did not sign their name in it to let me know who gave it to me. But it is a collection of stories and devotions about the Christmas event. Writers like um, Max Lucata, Lucata, David Jeremiah, others. And one of the one of the writing, one of the stories is about the men who were looking for a star that was led to a stable. If a king of kings were coming to this earth, where do you think he would come to? He would come to a palace. But if he is the son of God coming to die for the sins of humanity and to save the world, he would come as a very humble, simple child. So that you and I could identify with him. So that you and I could see that God was revealing himself in flesh like you and I. And he would be so humble that he would become obedient unto God and even down a cross. And Paul is saying to you and I, Jesus gave his all for us. And folks, you and I need to understand that the riches that we have are not just blessings that we experience in our life. But the greater blessings are the one that we shall enjoy throughout eternity as we're taken home to be with him forever. And before I go any farther, let me quickly explain the background of this passage of Scripture. Paul is on his third missionary journey. And a part of his mission during this journey is to take up an offering for the poor and suffering Jewish Christians in Jerusalem and Judea. Folks, as you know, those Christians were highly persecuted, even by Paul before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is encouraging the Christians in Corinth to give what they had promised to do a year before. 
And this is not going to be on the overhead, but look at verse 10 if you still have your Bible open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writes, and in this matter, I give my advice. It is best for you now to complete what a year ago you began not only to do, but to desire. And I want to pose this question. Have you and I ever promised the Lord something that we have not yet done or completed? And I dare say there's probably not a one of us that hasn't. You remember the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, and especially if you were an adult, boy, what a a heavy load of sin was taken off of you, and new peace was given in your heart and life, and a new direction in your life, and we began to make promises to God. God, you've saved me. I want to just do everything and anything that I can for you. And as life goes on, we begin to pull back on that commitment, and we only give a partial surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in these moments, Paul is using the example of the Christians in Macedonia to inspire and encourage the Corinthian Christians to complete the mission they said that they were going to do. And folks, as I was preparing this sermon, I thought if Paul knew you and me and our church, would he use us as an example to encourage other Christians? Or would he say, we're only partially surrendered to the Lord And we need to return to him and give it all to him. But let's be fair to the Corinthian Christians. Perhaps there were reasons that they had not fulfilled their mission yet, even after a year had gone by. Many Christians in that day lost their jobs because of their faith, had it happened to those Corinthian Christians. In Corinth, there were a lot of trade guilds because they made a lot of idols. And had the Corinthian Christians been excluded from the trade guilds because of their faith in Christ and their refusal to worship idols, or had it been that they were giving only a partial surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now go back to verse 2 again. These Macedonian Christians have been in a time of great trial and troubles but they have given liberally to the Christians in Judea. And make no mistake what Paul is saying. These Macedonian Christians were very poor. He uses a concept of words that mean deep poverty or rock-bottom destitution. He uses a Greek word to describe a beggar who has absolutely nothing and has no hope of getting anything. How could these Macedonian Christians have have been so liberal in their giving? Well, folks, the answer to that is found again in verse 5. They gave themselves first to the Lord and to others. And I want to read a quote to you out of Warren Wiersbe. It's on the screen. Just let, let me read it to you. I know that you can read. No computer could analyze this amazing formula, great affliction and deep poverty plus grace equals abundant joy and liberality. Folks, you see, the grace of God is God's unmerited love for us. And when God's grace really is let loose in our heart, God is able to do a work that you and I can't fully understand. 
And one of the things that happens when we begin to be filled with God's grace is we have not only an abundant joy, there's praise and thanksgiving to God, but we begin to love and serve others. We have been so prosperous as a nation and so prosperous as a people that so often we've lost sight of the one who has blessed us and kept us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we pushed his grace aside by holding back from him and not giving ourselves completely to the Lord, we need to allow his grace to fill us once again. And folks, let me point something out. When we give ourselves to the Lord completely, look at what he can do through us. Let me just give you some examples. And one of my favorite stories is about that small boy with the five barley loaves and the two fish. And he gives them freely to Jesus. And Jesus feeds thousands of people with those five barley loaves and two fish in John 6. Even more amazing to me is in Acts 1.15 that that early church, 120 people, gave themselves to Jesus and a worldwide church emerges. A man named Saul who has been that day's parallel to the Terminator. He has been killing Christians and imprisoning them, and he comes to faith in Christ, and he leads the world of his day to a knowledge of a crucified, risen, and returning Savior. Many of you have been to the Billy Graham Library. I have not, but you've talked about how inspiring it has been And as you look back on the span of Billy Graham's life, it is amazing how many people he has touched. Millions of people have come to Christ. Millions of people have been touched by Billy Graham. Why so? Because Billy Graham gave himself first to the Lord. Think about the people that have touched your life and my life who gave themselves first to Christ and their lives have led us to Christ. And even think about our church, Teresa. Think about the older members who have died, who put Jesus first. And this church is at the point that it is because others put Jesus first and wanted to be used of him. And I hope you're asking, what does all this have to do with you and me and us giving praise and thanksgiving to God? And again, I go back to the question, have we first given ourselves to the Lord and to others? And I want to remind you of what Paul says in Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I'll be honest with you. Don't we want to be the recipient rather than the giver? And it finally dawned on me that what Paul is talking about is not just about giving money to the Lord. It is about giving ourselves to the Lord. And so often as humans, don't we expect God to bless and provide for us, but yet we do not want to give back to God. We don't want to give him back our praise, our thanksgiving, but most especially our very selves. Our entire being. And folks, again, I got to ask a question. What are we holding back from God? Let me mention five things 
I think we might be holding back. Number one, are we holding back from God our mouths? Is our mouth, and think about it for just a second, the most powerful part of our body probably is our mouths in influencing others, isn't it? Either our mouth is a fountain of praise and thanks and witness and prayer and worship, or our mouth is a source of foul language which harms our witness and turns others away from Christ. Or perhaps our mouths are used for gossip, which is in reality assassinating the character of others and pushing them farther away from the Christ by our lack of love for them. Are we holding back our talents? What talents in the kingdom of God has the Lord given you and given me, but we're not using them for his glory? How long has it been since we asked God, Heavenly Father, what task, what duty do you have for me until you call me to glory? What talent have you given me, Lord, for your honor and glory that I am not yet using and developing? Would you show me so that I can surrender it to you? Are we holding back our time? And I believe perhaps we need to really examine this. You see, every moment is a gift from God. Every day that we live is a gift from God. And how are we spending our time? Now, folks, I'm not in any way against what you do uh, as your hobbies and, and uh, downtime you have. But, but on a whole, how much time do we give to God? And all of us are saying, I don't have time to do the things that I want to do. And I agree with that. I understand that. But, folks, do we give God part of our daily time? Do we realize that every heartbeat is a gift from him every moment? We don't create time. God gives it to us. You know, sometimes we are so foolish. We, we're, we're looking at as if we keep ourselves going through the night. Who tells our heart to keep beating? God does. Let's be honest. If my heart, I die in the recliner. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, y'all don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> y'all still with me? Do we give God time? I take a practice lap of sleep in the recliner, then I get up and go to bed, okay? And I'm just glad God's watching over my heart and keeping it beating, okay? That and the pacemaker. But here's my point. Do we give God time daily? Do we worship him through Bible study and prayer and witness? And I know you hear this all the time. This is something I ought to do as a Christian. Well, do it. Do we love our family and others and give them time? Are we developing our spiritual bodies as we should? Are we holding back our time? Are we holding back our hands, our feet, and our minds? Paul says, first they gave themselves, which included, I believe, every part of them. Are we physically doing the Lord's work, reaching out to others, going to where they are, are our minds focused on serving the Lord? Because, again, Paul said they gave themselves to the Lord and to us. And, folks, I put of uh, the five, I put last our money. Because I want to point something out. You know, I'm afraid sometimes in Christianity we feel if we give God, and, and thank you for being faithful in giving, but if we give God our money, we've paid him off, and he doesn't need any other part of us. 
And folks, the irony of all this is he don't need our money. But he instructs us as an act of worship, as an act of commitment, as an act of faith that we give him our tithes and offerings. But folks, what I'm saying is we must not substitute giving our money to giving everything else to him also. And I believe it used to be that we were stingy about giving our money, but now we're stingy about giving him our mouths, our talents, our time, and our hands and feet and minds. And I'm not trying to criticize you. Some of you might be saying, well, what's the problem if I'm not giving God my mouth, my talents, my time, my hands, feet, and mind, and my tithes and offerings? That's an individual decision that you've got to make, all of us, for all of us. Just like coming to faith in Christ, that's a decision that we make. And then afterward, afterward, we decide how much we're going to give to the Lord. But let me read a verse of Scripture, and I'll close, okay? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, living in a world in which that culture was trying to tell Christians how they should live, and get them to be conformed to the world of their day, Paul writes these words. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind he can accept. Now listen to this last sentence. And I believe these came from Paul's heart. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? When you think of what Christ has done for us, is this too much to ask? Let us pray. Father, your blessings are so great. And if we were honest, we could quickly sit down and begin to overflow with all that you've done for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you. And Father, today I pray that the words of Paul and the example of the Macedonian Christians might encourage us to first give ourselves to you. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of the people within this church. And I know so many of them are diligent about serving you and loving you and serving you every day. But God, I pray, I pray, Father, that we would we would just give it all to you. God is so hard. You know that. Your son lived on this earth and he faced the same temptations that we do. And God, it seems like in many churches and in many ways, the fire among Christians is growing dim. But God, spark a new fire in our heart to give it all to you. God, may we May we be used of you in a greater way than ever before. And God, even this week, may we be people of thanksgiving and praise. And may we set an example for others to be led to your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this this morning is number 435, Just As I Am. The altar is going to be open. God is leading you to make any type of public uh, decision or to even come down and pray. I pray that you'll do what he instructs you to do. Let us stand as we sing.